welcome to the Euro What, episode 101 for the week of January 4th, 2021. I'm Mike McComb, and I'm joined today by Ben Smith. Hey, Ben. Hey, Mike. We are a pair of Americans trying to make sense of the Eurovision Song Contest. And this week, we'll be kicking off our Eurovision 2021 coverage in earnest. Happy New Year, Ben. Happy New Year, Mike. We have celebrated Eurovision New Year observed in September, and mm-hmm. now it is Eurovision New Year proper in January. Yes. Yeah, I am really looking forward to going back to weekly episodes just so that we don't have three weeks of things to discuss. Ugh, <laughs> uh, just like it's it's the first workday of the year and much much like my my inbox at work came back and was like, "Oh no, this all piled up." Mhm. Mm-hmm. How we have we have so many we have so many figurative emails, Mike. Yes. So much has happened. Nobody was taking the last couple of weeks off. We should probably just get right into it. First up, Festival de Congas has finally happened. It was the first national selection coming out of Albania. Did you get a chance to watch any of FIK? I was traveling when the meat of the program was happening, but I was following the tweets, and the tweets were very good, and I did see the intro, and oh boy. Oh goodness, yeah. So, um, I mean, uh, since it was an outdoor concert, and they were trying to have every contingency accounted for, all of the competition was pre-recorded. All the performances were pre-recorded. Uh, the kind of interstitial pieces were pre-recorded, uh, including the intro, which, yeah, the costuming for it was a choice. It was people marching through this empty streets of Tirana wearing these like, white face coverings and white, very pointy hood type hats, which is a pretty bad image to <laughs> open up a show which is, with. Yeah, just like not not a great look for any anything that sort of remotely resembles clan robes is not yeah. great. Yeah, that happened on the first night. Uh, most of Twitter was just like, oh no. And since it was a pre-recorded bit, it was used all three nights. Uh, like there was no way that they, <laughs> there was no way that they could edit it out, I guess, because it was the credit sequence for the show as well. So uh, just one of those things, I guess. Also, because it was pre-recorded, there were just other logistic issues that they could not work around, uh, particularly who advanced to the final. That was announced before the second night even started airing because those people had to record their performances for the final. It took a little bit of the drama out of the second night, or at least it took out the hard analysis that like happens on Twitter. I think people were just able to kind of relax and just enjoy the songs. Uh, just being like, oh, well, I know this one's not going to advance. That's fine. This is a really good version of that song, that that sort of thing. I, I do know that Twitter loves discourse more than anything. But on mm-hmm. the other hand, it's nice to know that, well, this is out of my hands, so I can just enjoy this. Yeah, like the first night of, of the show was Eurovision-ish night doing what the performance may look like on the Eurovision stage. And then night two was acoustic night. For the songs that were already kind of acoustic-y, that just meant people sitting on bar stools. Uh, And uh, (laughs) for the songs that did need to have an acoustic arrangement, there were some really interesting arrangements. Like some of them were a little bit jazzier, some that I liked a lot more than the original presentation. So it's nice that there was this kind of element of providing choices in case a song does end up going on to win. There were also the interval acts. There was an interpretive dance set to Marilyn Manson's cover of Sweet Dreams Are Made of This. The clan dancers from the intro clip did a dance routine set to a mega mix of Evanescence songs. Um, (laughs) That happened. Uh, (laughs) 
And just, just no, no just like, because again, I only experienced this through Twitter, and now knowing that those costumes were used in a dance number set to a, me a mega mix of Evanescence, I will not be looking that up because it cannot exceed my mental picture of that. The dancing was fine. Like, I don't think it was quite up there with the chorus line of people dressed as the Joker from last year's movie, The Joker, uh, at last year's competition. <laughs> so. You know, I'm now just trying to figure out how Albania will top this. A somehow worse costume set to a mega mix of puddle of mud. I would not put that past them. Uh, anyway, no, no. <laughs> at, at this point, I'm just like, do they need someone to choreograph? Because I am terrible. I mean, the choreography was fine, but anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah. they did have a guest band show up. This Aussie group called Mixed Up Everything, who are currently stranded in Albania. Yeah, like they were on tour when the pandemic lockdown started happening and they are not able to get home. So they're just kind of chilling in Albania and they did a cover of Wind of Change by the Scorpions, which interesting choice given the podcast about that song. That <laughs> I was about to say, no, 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 it's, it's, having, it's having a cultural <laughs> moment. I get it. <laughs> all in all, it was a really fun show. Like even though there was these interesting choices for performances the overall show was a pretty tight production it did not drag on and they wasted no time in announcing the results i think it was just a case of just like it's cold it's almost midnight we'll just announce for a second and third place and get out of here the winner of the contest is uh, angela peristeri and her song karma <laughs> Getting into Angela's resume, she first appeared on FIK in 2001 uh, when she was just 15 years old, uh, so pretty impressive. Uh, she released her first album in 2004. Other TV appearances that she's had, uh, she auditioned for X Factor Greece. Uh, she won Albania's version of Your Face Sounds Familiar. Oh no, how is, how is this show? Everywhere. <laughs> yeah, um, it... it, it potentially yikesy I've, I've seen a couple of the singers that she has impersonated i have not seen photos so i don't know if it's uh 100 yikesy but congratulations on winning a competitive reality show um yes. <laughs> uh, she also competed at another uh, music festival called kenga magique and she won the 2017 edition so she's very comfortable on these sort of performance stages uh which i think was pretty apparent in her performance mm-hmm yeah, did you get to watch the performance? I did. Back when we previously discussed Festivali Ikengas, the stuff that I was looking at was a little bit outside of what it felt like the larger field as a whole for, for FIC this year had to offer. And knowing who the judges are with this and knowing the, the wavelength Albania has been on the last few years, I'm like, yes, this one makes a lot of sense. It reminds me a lot of Greece's 2018 entry, like strong orchestration, very powerful vocal, but it's kind of... There's just a lot of elements and it's just kind of muddying the water a little bit. I think if this has a few studio passes, maybe a couple of edits here and there, they can find something that's going to work really mm -hmm. well. Yeah, I, I would agree. Angela definitely has the stage presence like that. That was the thing that drew me most into the performance is like she is very present on stage and draws your attention. Mm -hmm. And they do seem to have an actual staging concept mm -hmm. oh yeah 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 like it like the staging 
I agree with you that it felt messy. It felt like there was a lot of stuff happening. Mm -hmm. Some interesting stuff happening in the music. I like how they're giving various things moments. But there is just sort of a moment where like somebody holds her microphone while some guys toss her around for a little minute. Which was fun. Which was fun. I did like that. The song has good bones and the performance has like some decent sketching out and they just need to go back and fill it in with with some ink and some color. Mm -hmm. Yes, that is that is the perfect way to describe it. And uh, she did say in an interview after winning that the song is going to stay in Albanian. Even she acknowledges that there's going to be some tweaking uh, happening between now and when the uh, song is due for delivery in March. So I trust her. I trust I, I, mm -hmm. I'm trusting the process on this one. I don't know if it is necessarily a Eurovision winner, but mm -hmm. I think Albania has a shot here i agree with you that it doesn't immediately strike me as the winner mm -hmm. the song that it reminded me of weirdly enough was yonita maliki's entry it was, it was mm. like it had some elements of that it felt like it could exist as in a similar space i'm like okay yes this is this is what albania wants to do right now this is our national winner i'm not sure that's gonna be europe's whole mm -hmm. whole wave like this year but the field is young this is song one this is song one we know so many artists this year but this is song one yeah she she is in our top one right now so yep i'm, I'm making the youtube video yes our top one that was albania and yeah hopefully we will be hearing from them between now and when they drop the song like usually they kind of go radio silent so mm -hmm. uh we uh, they, they do have that tendency yeah fortunately there are plenty of other processes that are going to be happening uh between now and then Indeed. The one that I'm most excited about, Mike, mm -hmm. uh, Lithuania. We, yes. we have more details about Pabana Biznau Season 2. So it was supposed to have 23 acts, including the Roop, but we are down to 21 acts. We are getting slightly less Pabana is now this year, which I understand from a television production during COVID perspective, but as a person who thought that they had like the exact right amount of process last year, makes me a little sad. Mm -hmm. We're going to have two rounds of now 10 entries each presuming that we don't get more cancellations. Mm -hmm. From there, a field will be narrowed down to a semifinal, and from there will be narrowed down further to the final, which will include the Roop and some number of acts. Looking over the list of contestants, I see some names I'm very excited about, including Gabrielius Vagelis, who hopefully has hired a stylist this time around. Yeah. <laughs> also, Mike, I saw that uh, Viliha... Vilia? Vilia, yeah. Um, Vilia. I, and I'm not who, going to try to butcher her last the, name. But. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> neither am I, but she's saying attention, which has grown on me as an entry. Yes. There are a lot of alumni uh, that are coming back. Um, Tusim is going to be uh, competing once again. Oh, yes. I had forgotten about that. And, like, I am very interested to see because I feel like to, in, in the old process, Tusim had more legs. And then last year, they did their normal thing in, like, Pabanam is now. Mm -hmm. And like everybody brought their A game to to Pabondum is now, and there was so things like Playa did not have the legs to compete, and I want to see what I I want to see Tusum on their A game. Yes, I think they will represent Lithuania at some point. At I don't some point. I don't know if it's going to be this year, but if they actually focus their energy on this instead of just like trying to do their shtick, they could do something. I very much enjoyed the bit that they were mm -hmm. doing. But I'm also just like, like, this is great, but also there are good songs. With the two withdrawals already having happened, it's just like, all right, I don't want to make any early picks at this point. Like, let, let's get some things finalized first before, <laughs> yeah, before, before like, I Let's actually get to one of the heats where we see how many people are competing, and mm -hmm. then we can pick favorites. Yeah. Looking forward to that getting started. Uh, that is uh, scheduled to start on January 16th, which is only a couple weeks away. Yay! Uh, <laughs> Croatia announced their lineup for Dora. 
Again, it's a lot of alumni that are coming back, both Dora alumni and Eurovision alumni. Uh, Nina Kralczyk, uh, who represented them in 2016, is going to be competing. Tony Setsinski, who represented Croatia in 1994, uh, is going to be competing. And Mia Negovetic, who was the runner-up in last year's Dora, uh, is coming back to uh, try to win. And she actually has a U.S. connection. She appeared on the NBC show Little Big Shots in 2016 so um neat uh <laughs> whereas i just looked at the notes and she was on nbc's little bake i was like when did they have a television program in the americas oh no uh <laughs> yeah yeah yes don't put it past them uh <laughs> they've announced the song titles for dora they will be releasing snippets of the songs the week before the competition but yeah we're gonna have to wait until dora happens before we get to hear the full songs uh and that is happening mid-february continuing the tournament of champions theme of this year apparently uh italy italy has announced the san remo lineup and also that there might be a san remo bubble which please film that <laughs> please 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 just have the two hosts over in the living room of like the hotel or whatever just sort of working out their their bit with the microphone this time around mm. if, they, if they could workshop all of their bits that would yeah, they could, yeah, yeah please please italy you are happening on the last weekend of things and i do need to sleep at some point mm-hmm. please yeah <laughs> um please do not just wing it looking at the lineup for this we have ermal meta who was one half of their entry in eurovision 2018 they did very well that year. Uh, you have Francesca Michelin, who was their entry in 2016, which I liked a lot and did, and I thought placed lower than it should have. And then Ariza, who won San Remo in 2014, but that was the one year that Italy did an internal selection. And then also there's just a note here that says Bugo, Mike. Oh, yeah. Bugo's back. Remind me, is is Bugo... Bugo's the guy that just walked off. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good. That's what that was. That was what I thought that that was. Yeah. But he's back now. Yeah, I'm assuming somebody said I'm sorry, and yeah, he he's coming back to. Well, I hope he's coming back. Like it would it would be great if, if it just turns into like this waiting for Godot type thing, where it's just like, will Bugo be here? No, Bugo's not coming tonight. So, <laughs> uh, spoiler, I guess. Yeah. So looks like there aren't going to be any major changes to San Remo, other than it being a little bit later in the year, and of, of course this potential bubble which is the one change we don't want Mm -hmm. yeah that that's something to look forward to and then belarus has announced that they are opening up for submissions no real details on what they're going to do in terms of a national final Uh, applications are open until january 31st so really anybody could enter uh, the belarusian selection in the translation of the announcement In what format the finals will take place will be determined by the organizers, taking into account the epidemiological situation, which is just a kind of creepy phrase. (laughs) I mean, it makes total sense that it would be included in there, but it's just like it could be an internal selection based on entries. It could be a case of just like, oh, only three people submitted because they did not want to have to try to travel uh, during this whole thing. So, yeah, it's kind of TBD as to what is going to happen with Belarus's selection. But uh, if you want to get in on that, uh, we'll have a link to that uh, in the show notes. Driving by some of the news with returning acts. Uh, Serbia has confirmed Hurricane, and it was like the most adorable Twitter thing ever. The Serbia uh, broadcaster, like 
added the Eurovision account. It was like, hey, Eurovision, we need to talk. And they're just kind of going back and forth and like trading gifts with one another. Um, and like Eurovision's just like, you're not quitting this time, are you? And it's like, no, no, we have a big announcement to make. And yeah, it was Hurricane, our favorite fanfic uh, <laughs> targets from last year about the girl being, group that is obviously a set of international spies mm-hmm. the world's most famous spies which probably means that they're not great at their job if uh, people know that they're spies <laughs> but yeah <laughs> um, I mean I will like props to the social media manager or managers that work this out because I hate when Stakeums does this to Denny's oh, and yet yeah. I love this <laughs> like normally I hate when brands interact on on Twitter, mm-hmm. but this was great. So props to everyone. Yeah, yeah. Uh, who who would be the Stakeums in uh, this analogy? I did not think that far. Okay. <laughs> Hurricane song will be a a public selection. More on that to come. Leslie Roy is returning, much to the the dismay of Jedward, who reached who said on Twitter that they were willing to be Ireland's entry well after that was decided. Yeah. Also, the announcement came shortly after Serbia's announcement, and like Twitter was abuzz with all of that. So it's just kind of continuing in the theme from <laughs> last like, year. Ireland, of come just, on. Yeah, just really bad rollout. It's like space these out. It's nice to know that Jedward have offered themselves as a lovely second alternate. Let's see. And then Spain will be using a national final to determine Blas Canto's song. Yes. And uh, <laughs> funny thing about this. So on December 28th, there was a post in one of the Eurovision Facebook groups that I'm in about Blas's song had been internally selected. And it was a track that was going to be co-written by Thomas Jason. And I was like, huh, that's surprising. And I just started going to all of my usual news sources to see, like, it's like, wow, I'm surprised that this is the first that I'm hearing about this. Could not find it anywhere. Turns out uh, December 28th is St. Innocence Day, uh, which... <laughs> Which in Spain is treated kind of like April Fool's Day. So lots of pranks. This was one of those pranks. <laughs> and oh, um, it's like, oh, that there was some nice attention to detail in the article. Yeah, like it was pretty well done. But I have added to our calendar on December 28th a note. Do not trust any stories about Spain coming out uh, at this time. And the news about the national final dropped at like midnight on the 29th, which just like... Okay, I'm only 90% sure that this is legit, but uh, it does appear to be legitimate uh, because I I believe he tweeted out about it that uh, there there would be some form of public selection. We, We learned a thing and we love that. Yeah. Israel and Slovenia are, are getting closer to having entries. Israel, of course, has narrowed things down to three. We have the demo formats, but I kind of want to wait until we have like full ones. Online voting is available now and the winner will be revealed on January 25th. Full versions do not arrive until January 18th. So again kind of holding off on having thoughts until I hear like the full versions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same here. And then with Slovenia, they are planning on holding Emma on February 27th. So there will be some public input on their selection. There were 191 songs that were submitted for their singer Anna Soklic. So far, three songs are on their shortlist. There may be a few more added in uh, as it gets closer to showtime. And uh, this will also mark 60 years since the first Yugoslavian Eurovision entry. So uh, expect a celebration of a year that ends in Zero on Emma uh, this time around.
get to ESC 250, but before we do, I woke up on Friday morning and was laying in bed, and literally one of the first things that arrived in my head, having woken up, was Sunit could drop a video at any time. Mm -hmm. And boy, did she drop one. And uh. boy, howdy, was there a video. <laughs> While listening to the ESC 250, I should check if Sunit has a Twitter account and see if there are any clues. Mm -hmm. And then I did, and like very quickly texted you, like, oh no, Mike, I've cracked the code. Yeah. I believe it was uh, you realized that uh, one of the photos was of a disco ball toilet. And she's like, oh, yes. it's going to be disco. She's on a loo. It's probably Waterloo. From what we have seen of the creative team on this, mm -hmm. they are not subtle. Mm -hmm. They do not know what that word means. They have not heard it. They have gone with a disco toilet. Toilet is, toilet is a loo from doing many a crossword. Mm -hmm. We're getting Waterloo. And also the tweet directly above it was a line that felt familiar was uh, okay. it feels like i win when i lose and mm. like that feels oh, weirdly yeah. familiar i did have to google it i feel ashamed about that i did have to google it between that and like the disco toilet we're getting waterloo yeah <laughs> yeah when you had messaged me you just sent me the photo i didn't send me the accompanying <laughs> I just said tweet, disco so toilet. yeah it was just like uh okay um <laughs> This is the first time I think that the song has switched genres mid-song. Probably. It's all been a, it's all a blur at this point. <laughs> like, honestly, there have been so many <laughs> concepts that have happened that they all just sort of merged together. Yeah. And this video in particular, I think, was just kind of like, all right, because I have a feeling this may be the last one or second to last one. So they're just like, all right, we got to pull out all the stops and use all of the bingo balls uh, that, are, mm -hmm. that are left in the cage. So... <laughs> Some of the notes that I have are things like Saturday Night Fever vibe. Mm -hmm. There was an Andy Warhol quote at the end, and there was like one of the promo photos that I did not see in the video, but who knows, was like a banana as a microphone. So I'm like, oh, she's referencing like that iconic Andy Warhol cover. Mm. A lot of multiples happening. So I'm like, okay, that could be like the nod to Warhol. This was the most that I was enjoying one of these videos in a while. Okay. Liked like the big stompy disco version. And then it pivoted into a Heya version, which I would have liked more of. In the spirit of Andy Warhol's multiples, give me each of these. Don't give me like five seconds of them. Mm -hmm. I would have loved a full Heya uh, version of Waterloo. I would have loved a full Latin version of Waterloo. Even that like fun 1920s one at the end. Like do the full thing in like the style of Boogie Woogie Bugle Boy. Mm. I might disagree with you on that one, but. Uh... <laughs> yeah, like I, I feel like that last one like might have graded immediately on it. Had it gone any longer, but yeah, yeah, it was it was kind of heading into an electro velvet place that I would really prefer not to revisit. So, <laughs> I think it was one of the stronger covers, like just like as a song. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I'm going to miss this project once it wraps, but I'm glad we yeah had the opportunity it, to experience it. it. It's been a hell of a ride. Mm -hmm. um, it definitely is something I have experienced with my eyes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um but waterloo is is a very good one for covers because uh during the icelandic selection during the final lna did a beautiful cover of, that like really found like the the lyrical emotion mm. did that thing that almost is cliche now of, like slowing it down and mm -hmm. making it acoustic and really but like it worked there yeah and this was just about five different genres of it Oh, and then like one other note that popped up today is that Dothy Frere is looking for a choir and you can be part of it. Yeah, you had texted me about this and I was like, I have no idea what this is referring to. And then, well, I also texted it to you today when Slack was down. Mm -hmm. So like my first note of, of the actual tweet got lost in the ether. And what finally did get through was just my screenshot of the choir guidelines. Yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> and I was just very confused. It was just this list of eight things, and two of them were just being like, please be nice. <laughs> <laughs> Number six, please have fun. Yeah. Number seven, please. Yeah. Since they're allowing pre-recorded vocals at the contest this year, I guess Dothy's taking advantage of that rule. So, mm -hmm. well, um, I feel like when we discussed this, I was like, I do want to see what Dothy does with the with the vocals rule, and apparently, he's making a choir. We'll have a link to both the tweet with uh, his announcement and the Google Drive that you can access to submit your piece, uh, and that is due next Monday. Uh, so. Um, get on that. So, uh, chop, chop. Yep, yep. <laughs> you have homework this week, so. You have homework, chop, chop. <laughs> Should this song win, you can put what's part of a winning Eurovision song right next to your time person of the year on your resume. Let's take a look at what's happened in Eurovision's past uh, with the ESC 250 results. This past Thursday, uh, New Year's Eve, there was the countdown on ESC radio that was uh, put on by uh, songfestival.be, where fans voted on their favorite Eurovision songs and entries. And the top 250 were played countdown style, starting at the wee hours of the morning, uh, going till mm -hmm. about six o'clock u.s eastern time lorraine and euphoria won again this is the ninth time that song has won this is the ninth year that that song has been in existence so pretty good track record she won on every metric available uh, except for seven points uh, fuego which came in second beat out euphoria by a single vote in the uh, number of seven pointers that were received and i went back to look at our ballots and I gave Fuego seven points, so I am taking full credit for that one. I was about to say, if, if you had not taken credit, and I, I, I was like, I know I gave it points. Did I give it the seven so that I could take credit? But no, yeah, so yeah. I, I give this one to you, Mike. We did it. Yes, <laughs> yes. So, uh, yeah. And according to the ESC 250 folks, uh, this is the closest it's ever been uh, between Euphoria and second place. The gulf was over 3,300 points. So um, <laughs> I don't it's think... Not that close, but... Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think Euphoria is going to be falling off of its throne anytime soon. Um, although they did try to keep drumming up the suspense. Like, they, they would have the bumpers in between songs, like, once every hour, being like, is this the year that somebody else takes the top spot? And every time mm -hmm. that they play that bumper, I'm expecting Euphoria to play immediately after it, even though it's like, okay, I don't think it fell to, like, 197. Mm -hmm. So, like, I will say that every time that they played that bumper, I would, like, it did hype me up. I'm like, we did it. It's happening. Top spot, not much movement there. Uh, in terms of the 2020 entries in the countdown, 20 out of the 41 songs did make it into the top 250. The highest ranking uh, song from the 2020 entries was uh, Fairu More, uh, Italy's entry. Uh, that came in at eighth. Uh, that one was fifth in receiving 12 points uh, from voters. So a pretty good debut. Uh, think About Things, which I think most people were expecting to be at the top uh, of the 2020 uh, Yes, I, I certainly was. Yeah, uh, that one came in at 16, which I think underperformed for a lot of Yeah, folks. like that was, that that did surprise me. Mm -hmm. And that was the only other 2020 in the top 20. There were four more songs that made it into the top 50 uh, and three more that made it into the top 100. Uno, uh, which is the most watched video ever on Eurovision's YouTube page, like it, it crossed 100 million views several months back it came in at 99 on the countdown which 
in retrospect, isn't that surprising? But I was I was surprised mm-hmm. in the moment uh, that it was that low. It makes a lot of sense to me, though, because Little Big had viral success elsewhere beforehand. Mm-hmm. And every so often, I will get YouTube recommendations. Yugoslavian synth pop, 30 minutes. I'm like, yes, yeah. give this to me. <laughs> Thank you, algorithm. I know that you're radicalizing some people, but apparently you've looked at me and said, nope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yugoslavian synth pop for this man. Yeah. You, you are a lost cause. No. <laughs> you are a lost cause. But if you're someone who has watched Little Big in the past and the algorithm knows that, it's just going to see, ooh, Little Big, like a TiVo that hasn't been trained properly and mm. be like, hello, here's a video from Little Big for you. Yeah. And if you're someone who likes Little Big and liked, liked Skibidi, you're not going to care that this is on the Eurovision page. You're just going to be like, weird intro and move on with your life yeah that, that was interesting uh and then there were 13 more songs in the top 500 from the 2020 list the highest one to miss the cut uh was israel's fecker Labee, which came in 294 uh it missed the cut by about 43 points so not very close we'll have a link in our show notes to the full breakdown of the facts and figures and all of that data crunching stuff uh and i think they're still updating it uh they got the the initial results up rather quickly but i know in previous years they've had the full results of like all 1600 ish songs and how they've ranked um so you can see who tied for 1295th place but i don't know if that is that is the one i'm i'm most interested in is to see Okay, so which of my points was the most squandered? Mm-hmm. And you can definitely reverse engineer uh, it, how many and if you were the only person to vote <laughs> for like, a Which one song. of these was just me? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that has happened to me in the past. So <laughs> one of the other things that people were kind of on the lookout for uh, in this year's countdown was to see how much of an impact Eurovision again may have had on the rankings. And there was one song in particular that uh, I know, Ben, <laughs> you were advocating for. Uh, yeah, yep, 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 yep. Yeah. It's, it's me, I did it. Yes, Sufi by MFO finished in uh, 184th place, which is up 942 places from last year's edition. <laughs> we did it, everyone. Yeah. We did it. Yeah, that, that was so impressive uh twitter was delighted in the moment and yeah and that song is a bop so uh <laughs> and and an earworm uh so uh congratulations to them overall it didn't seem like eurovision again had a massive impact on the results yeah and like admittedly like one of the places i was waiting to see an impact and then realized after the fact probably would not happen because it was from the most recent mm-hmm Eurovision again, which was the semifinal one, was as as we were running out of songs, I was like, well, surely we're going to hear hear them calling from Iceland. Mm-hmm. It's like, no. Yeah. No. I was very pleased to see that do numbers at Eurovision again. I think everybody was just reminded how great that performance was. Mm-hmm. I think there were a number of songs that probably got a little bit of a bump, but they were songs that would probably have made the 250 anyway. Like Sufi seems to be one of the main examples of something that got a total glow up from the Eurovision again effect. And I think part of that is more about the meme culture that developed around it. Yes, it was soundtracking the Mr. Nay fan cam. We all love the Mr. Nay fan cam. Yeah, yeah. So I think that Eurovision again brought that into the consciousness, but I think it was the meme factor of it that really propelled it within the fandom. And and the same, I, I would argue, uh, would apply to Still Breathing, which made the 250. And that kind of surprised me. I thought that one was going to be a little bit more borderline. And... Yeah, like that was one that we're like before all of 2020 happened, I was 
like gearing myself up to be disappointed by it placing like 11th in a semi because mm-hmm. even though it had great meme potential people who are extremely online are not the entire Eurovision voting audience right. and if you're coming to that one fresh it's a lot yeah but the people who are extremely online are the people voting in ESC 250 <laughs> so who are just like queuing up our I am a composer gifts mm-hmm. I think we should try to make a run for her to take the top spot next year uh <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's going to get much traction, but in terms of what did you think of the uh, countdown overall? I was having a great time. Like I tuned in somewhere between nine and 10 a.m. Mm-hmm. I think I had just missed Sufi happening. Oh, no. By the time I tuned in. Yeah, I was slightly disappointed by that, but it, it heartened me to know that it had risen like 900 something places. Mm-hmm. I was having a great time grooving along with like, I love these radio bumpers. It's like all radio bumpers are the same internationally just like just like the stacked chorus of voices it's just delightful because like i haven't listened to esc radio a ton Mm -hmm. weirdly enough by the time we got to like the top 30 or so i was just sort of going okay but what like was very happy to see that hatari still had like a defined presence and came in like 24th that was great for me yeah that was that was a pleasant surprise like i expected that one to drop way more and was just like was just like okay cool cool the fandom does does like the screamy boys yeah <laughs> um, well especially because i think not too like it's i forget if it was too much earlier or later but like um vizlat nyar was also up there more yeah maybe. more more than i expected it to be where i'm just like oh they're like we do like when this occasionally happens at eurovision mm-hmm. by the time we got to think about things and think about things was in 16th i kind of lost interest just because i'm like okay cool i know exactly what the final 15 are in about roughly the space where they are mm-hmm. and it's probably euphoria again and like that led me to think of like i have one suggestion just because we are about to come up on euphoria's potential 10th time at the top mm-hmm. well this is more content this is also more work so and i completely understand that this is much like our show a volunteer thing so here's my proposal is that you had now have two esc 250s one that is the last 10 years and one that is everything else because that way you have like a nice balance of very recent memory and also the old standbys and the classics and the things that we love mm-hmm. i get kind of bored that euphoria is number one every time because euphoria is a fine song it like every time that it does randomly come up on shuffle it is a delight but also number one every time lots of other exciting eurovision things are happening like i found out about an entire range of songs from eurovision again it's almost like i want to say like the oprah rule of like once you've been once you've been number one 10 times you you then have to move to the like because i'm not opposed to it like being being like the the everlasting piece of art but i also want to leave space for other new things i would agree with that yeah i mean it's of course i'm saying this is someone who just thinks that euphoria is fine like i Mm -hmm. i legitimately do not understand why it keeps winning each time like it's gets into the science of pop music where it's just like oh i really want to understand like why why does this like what is it about that song that is Mm -hmm. uh permanent but it's also one of those things where and this this is a phenomenon that has been kind of coming up in conversation um not not just because of lockdown but i think it's been exacerbated by the lockdown where people are kind of along the same lines of like the nostalgia tip of like all all of these reboots and uh cast reunions and stuff where people are just watching stuff that they are already familiar with and rewatching mm-hmm. shows that they've already seen maybe multiple times and this might be 
like th- this year's countdown in particular in the top spots just being like okay just sticking with what's familiar and having that be almost almost like a tradition in a way where it's just like okay we've we've hit the waterloo portion of of the list like as soon as you hit waterloo you can pretty much guess what's what remaining songs are going to be played until the end of the countdown with euphoria being the other end of that parentheses and mm-hmm. I don't know where I was going with this, but it, it feels like this is kind of pointing to a a bigger cultural thing. And that, like, and that might just be something you look into further on our mm-hmm. end. It's just like, okay, but like, why why is Euphoria number one? Yeah, yeah, and I'm sure the responses that we will, we will get is just be like, it's a really it's good song. It's, it's, it's like fine. It's, <laughs> Welcome to 2021, everyone. Euphoria yep. is fine. Yes, <laughs> it's. Fine. Euphoria is fine. We are going to gaze at our navels for their. That, that is <laughs> my brave, while, controversial so. take. Yes. Euphoria is fine. <laughs> uh, all right. Anything else? That does it. I'm. I'm so glad that the season is here. I am too. Uh, yes. It, and as we mentioned, we're going to be back weekly. It's now officially selection season. Uh, but until then, that is going to do it for this episode of the Euro What. Thank you for listening. The Your What Podcast is hosted by Mike McComb, that's me, and Ben Smith. That's me. You can subscribe to the Your What on the podcast app of your choice. When you subscribe, leave us a review and let us know how we're doing. This will help Eurovision fans find us as the 2021 season gets underway. Uh, show notes are in the description of this episode or on our website at eurowhat.com. There you can also find our Spotify playlists for the various national selections, as well as a calendar for all of the national final broadcasts. If you'd like to contact us, we're at EuroWhat on Twitter and Instagram, or you can email EuroWhatPodcast at gmail.com. We'll be back next week to try to make sense of what's new in Eurovision. 